Last time on Crudely Drawn Swords. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> when last we saw our heroes, they had just helped fend off a large group of ogres, even capturing an ogre. We've got this ogre tied up. All right. How's it going? <laughs> here, me too. Same old. What here should I be on the lookout for? The echoes of magic you perceive here are more like a sickly version of Percy's magic. Okay. But there's more than a hint of Daddy Ghost Pig about it as well. What's about to happen here? It's probably about to just get itself free. And Tristan's right in there. He's got this. Bambi's just going to wander off a little bit. It's all right, Percy. This is all part of it. Do you want to tag me in? Okay. I'll just take his arm off Tristan's throat and put it on mine. You win the arm wrestle and you slam it down. Nailed it! Its other arm comes over and just grabs you and, like, slaps you onto the floor. Well, that's not the rules. Maybe put it down at this point. I do have something. Oil of faggot. That's a sleeping potion. So I'm going to lob it in its mouth as it goes. It slowly collapses into a deep sleep. And uh, Bambri just walk up to Granny. Yo, Bambri. Does that happen a lot? We hardly ever see more than one or two. It's in a thing in a jar sleep. She steps in and just cuts its oh, throat. Every time. I would like to spend a bit of time communing and investigating what remains of the ogre. You can feel the pull that the ogre was subject to, and it takes you a while to notice it, because you have an uncanny sense of direction to Malahim. Is the pull in the same direction? It's the same direction. takes a while to get everyone moving but the community is also accustomed to operating this way you know they do run into trouble sometimes they have to restore wagons you helping out enigma you've got some wagon building experience yeah so enigma's able to help like repairing one of the wheels that's got cracked out of alignment and percy are you helping what do you do yeah yeah, go on, I'll I'll try and help. Yeah, so maybe Percy's like a human jack. Yeah, pull the wagon up whilst they <laughs> refit it. And everyone's like, you know you don't need to hold that wagon up, there's a stone right... I'm, I'm helping. You're just trying to be like Jean Valjean. That'll be the bit that gives away that you've been... You've been hiding for so many years as the mayor of this little town. <laughs> Tristan, are you helping? Or are you just yeah. uh, singing songs? Any excuse to take my top off. He's sitting on the wagon that I'm uh, picking up. <laughs> well, like, my initial thought had been, yes, take my top off and then hoist up one of the wagons so it bunches my muscles. But as I took my, as I was taking my clothes off, Percy's gone over and done that. So now I'm just kind of standing there topless going, oh. You could carry like tyres around. Like that famous photo, bread with tyres. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my job's just going to be carrying the wheels. And I've wrapped my shirt around my waist. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just walking back and forth. It was either that or I was going to sing a slightly awkward topless shanty to everyone. <laughs> topless like, wagon shanty is yeah. uh, a good name for a song. 
I'm we should break yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be standing on the wagon that Percy's lifting going, Heave ho the wagon wheel. And it's, it's surprisingly jaunty and doesn't really fit the word. a little bit like the arches. Yeah, really. <laughs> so everyone's kind of, but because it's weirdly paced, everyone's kind of in this like go stop kind of jerky work <laughs> motion because they can't get into any kind of rhythm. Bambri, are you assisting? Uh, you have, to be fair, earned the right to rest if you so desire. Bambri doesn't want to do any actual manual labour. It's not really his no. thing. So he's going to do busy work. So he's going to get his broom and just start trying to brush some of the guts and gore uh, <laughs> away from the various uh, wagons and then he's going to realise there's lots of guts and gore now in his new broom and that, that hasn't really gone that well so then he'll just be holding it from the end and shaking it and just trying to splat all of the guts and gore off and then that's going to be like landing on various different people who are crying and upset that their buildings have been, their homes have been attacked so he, he's trying but he's not really achieving yeah, yeah, no, that's good. And so it takes a little while, but they get things patched up well enough for the night. And the wagons start rolling. You are offered space in the same wagon as Tristan for the night, Banbury, because yours is obviously a bit scorched. Banbury will say heavy pass on that and ask for any other wagon. <laughs> Thank God. I'm, Tristan's going to remain silent and just know that if he does anything, he might accidentally get Banbury in his wagon tonight. So he's going to stay just quiet. I hope no one asks anything of him and that Banbury just goes into another wagon. <laughs> you guys. Okay. After some discussion, it's decided that maybe Banbury could sleep on the roof of the wagon because the, floor's the floor is not that stable, but the decking, if he doesn't mind being under the stars, you know, it's not the coldest. Big thumbs up. Right, yeah. yeah. So, Grandmother Chi, there are two other people who help run the village, one from a car of each generation, and so they've been helping to lead things, and things are back underway. Grandmother Chi is looking still fairly sparky and she invites you back to her wagon and she says do come in i apologize that our dinner was somewhat interrupted but um i can offer you all tea and and she has like her teapot on the little brazier passes it round it's hella authentic it tastes authentic af as fudge as fudge yeah fudge is also very tea and fudge is a very authentic combo oh, are we in devon it feels like devon. <laughs> and she says I can tell you the story of Long Year and the Bad Hunter. Nah. Very well. <laughs> Next. <laughs> what story do you wish to hear? Let's tell me the story of Tristan T. Wild fighting the ogres. <laughs> Long, Year and, Long Year and the Hunter would do just fine. Apologies. Apo <laughs> oh, I'm going to act dejected. This is the way that we describe our immediate history. There was a time before we travelled when a person could have a house on the ground and live her whole life there. In that time, there lived a hunter, and his name was Long Year, and he was the greatest hunter of his hemu, which in those days had neither wagon nor wheel, and travelled far and wide. But one day, the bad hunter came to his door and said, Long Year, you are a good hunter, but I am better. In our stories, the bad hunter often comes... Both of these are characters that appear in other stories. Long Year was not going to accept this, for he was the greatest hunter of the whole wide world in those days. I'm the greatest hunter of the whole wide world, and though you are famous for your wiles, I can catch any creature, even one you cannot. Is that so? replied the bad hunter. Then perhaps you could prove yourself to me. 
I can hunt any animal in the world save the sacred beasts of the valley people, and there is but one who eludes me still. Long Year saw the challenge before him straight away. Name it then, and I will prove myself the greatest of us. This creature is so tiny, said the bad hunter, that she escapes my notice. But if you seek out the tiny snow wren and capture her for me, I will reward you richly. Now Long Year had many tricks for catching birds, and he quickly agreed, vanishing towards the forests of the south. It was as the bad hunter had said, however. The snow wren was small and difficult to catch, vanishing into the ice, flitting from place to place, always just ahead of him. Long Year thought long and hard, and then he went to the market and purchased yellow root in great quantity. Walking along the edge of the snow, he scattered the yellow root like fine dust upon the surface, and as he passed, there was nowhere behind him for the snow wren to hide, for her feathers were white. And so she led him to her nest. Long Year smiled, for here he could lay a trap to catch her alive. He called upon the bad spark whose fire still crossed the plains, and asked for a cage of flame, promising that this would anger a bad hunter. Long Year captured the snow wren, surrounding her in bars of fire she could not pass. Bad hunter, he called, see who is the greatest of us now. Indeed it is you, Long Year, the bad hunter replied. You are the best of us after all. And he took a single feather from the snow wren and gave it to Long Year. This is a treasure of great value, said the bad hunter. Perhaps I am too generous to grant you such a thing, but it does not matter to me. Release the bird, bad hunter instructed, and when Long Year did so, she fluttered away into a stand of bushes. Ah, said the bad hunter, now things have changed, for see who I have found. And he pulled aside the bushes, huddled within them, were the sacred beasts of the valley people. But when they saw that the bad hunter had reached them, they gave a great cry and ran away as fast as they could. But for all Long Year's conceit, the bad hunter was the greatest of all hunters. And for once, his siblings, the bad spark and the cruel mob, the bad flood and the falling rock, all joined in the hunt. Soon all the sacred beasts were slain, and Long Year realised that the treasure that the bad hunter had given him was nothing compared to the cruelty of this hunt. All the animals were chased across the plain and slain until only one remained. This was the great stag, and it returned to Long Year and stood before him. You have destroyed us, Long Year, said the stag, sadly. But you will pay a price for it. Our blood spilled here will curse this land so that your children and all your people may rest upon it no more, as we were unable to rest after you revealed us. Then the bad hunter and the rest of his court came, and the stag was torn down and slain. Soon the animals were gone, and so was the terrible hunt, and Long Year stood alone with the single feather he had been given, and knew that the stag had spoken true, and that his people would never rest on that blood-soaked earth again. So that is the story we tell. That's a very interesting story. Do you have any others about... Is there a sacred animal which is a pig? The sacred animals of the valley people, they lived far to the west of us, and all we know is that they had sacred animals. There would probably have been a pig or a boar or some forest creature. Stags. They were forest lands there, I believe. Those lands must be what are now the Western Kingdoms. And can you tell us anything more about the valley people? Were they just people that lived in the west, or is there, are there more tales about about them and, and what they did? 
They were just the people who lived in the West. All we know is that they lived in the valleys and their tribes were named for the valleys they lived in. Interesting. Okay. And you talked about Bad Hunter and Bad Hunter's siblings. Uh, I'm correct that they were four of those siblings. Yes, Bad Hunter has more siblings in other stories. I believe there are seven in total. Seven plus Bad Hunter himself. Bad Hunter is one of them, so seven, all of them. Oh, so oh, okay. As in the seven. The seven Fay. I'm not familiar with these names. Uh, mostly that was the Barbary. Uh, no, there's loads of Fay, but there were seven sisters, mm. so maybe. The, like god, the, the gods, the, the goddesses god, are one the of the goddesses seven. goddesses all, like, elven goddesses from the, the lands before the humans started following them. So it could be the same thing, just under different names and different guises. She says, it is in a similar way. There are often sevens and sevens in stories. We also have, we have seven wanderers who are described as crossing these lands, who are often referred to as the walking immortals. And perhaps they are also part of this same story or pattern. They are known as grandmothers also. I suppose you could say we have a respectable name as a grandmother. So, thinking about the the creatures that we've just encountered and that story, you refer to the, the valley people as being in the west. Um, these, The land that we've come from the west, the land that's afflicted isn't over there, it's by here. So how does that how does that relate to where the curse come, came from and, and how it's affected these lands? Our stories are about our lands, but these sacred creatures could run further and faster than any other animals, so they may have started near the valleys, they may have started somewhere else. Are you suggesting that the departure of the sacred creatures is what gave rise to the curse? That is what we believe, or that is what our stories tell. Their blood spilled on the earth was a corruption that brought about the curse. Right, I see. As Percy told us the whole Malahim and these creatures seem to be going towards Malahim. It's interesting because these creatures seem to be going um, the same way that, that we are. <laughs> Spoilers. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk to that somewhat. <laughs> so, hold on, Percy, you're saying, and let me just get this right, that your unerring direct direction to Malahim is the same as where these creatures are going. So it could be either... We could ride a stag to Malahim. Holy crap, we could re ride one of these ogres to Malahim. Mm, if we hadn't killed them all. Right, but let's just encourage them to attack again. Let them capture us like they did Enigma. We'll go out there as juicy, useless bait. That's obviously why they took Enigma. What? And then we'll get carried all the way back to Malahim. That's f***ing genius. I mean, uh, Grandmother Chi says, there are some small problems with your plan, Master Wild. Name, name six. <laughs> she says, very well. First, when they are around our wagons, they seem driven to destroy and break. True. Okay, that's one. Second... They are filled with an uncontrollable rage and desire to destroy. So am I. Yeah, oh, yeah, to be fair. Thank you, Enigma. Also, they did grab Enigma and they didn't eat her. They were they were carrying her, so they obviously want at least one of us. To if we tie them. a rope to her and to us, we'll get dragged along. Thirdly, whenever we have known someone to be taken by them and that person didn't escape, they were 
killed and eaten in short order. Mm. Right, three. Number four. Yep. We have several people with fairly serious injuries in the Hemu now. As a result of that attack, we do not wish to encourage any further attacks. Mm, okay, I'll heal them. That problem sorted. Fine. I mean, this feels like more reasons than strictly necessary. Quite a solid argument. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. You don't actually have to humour yeah. him, <laughs> but she's only. I mean, she, she doesn't have to, but she's very we will polite. forever know that she could only name four out of the six. Yeah, <laughs> she says. yeah. but that's my five. They are not riding steeds. Okay. Six. Shut the fuck up. Are they more of a they're more of a dressage? <laughs> well, hypothetically though, could we not if we caught some when they attack, do they wait till everything's destroyed and then go back? So what we could do is lasso a load so when they're on their backwards cycle. Yeah, I mean we could just we know the direction that they're going. We know the direction oh, that yes, we want to go. We could just walk there without a horde of marauding ogres being tethered to us. Without being attached. Yeah. What What is your plan for food or water if we're just tethered to these giant beasts that want to kill us? Well, they can run much faster than us and further. They might do it really quickly. We'll just take some snacks, load up a load of bags like we're going mm. on holiday. They, they might do it faster. You saw them run away and we caught them. Yeah, but we were rolling and flying. Well, why don't we do that all the way to Mount Him then? Guys, it's like a six-month walk. We're going to be knackered. He sees us rolling. <laughs> um, but back to back to my original point. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I have a sense of direction, and I can um, I can tell where Malahim is. Um, and investigating these creatures, yeah, it, it all seems to be linked to one another. Um, now. I suppose to take us back even further, the reason that we're going to Malahim is because you, Tristan, got afflicted when we were in the Land of the Dead. That's a good point. Um, trying to pull Enigma back out. Remember that? Now, Enigma seems to have the traces of what may well be um, one of these sacred creatures knocking around her which presumably would have come from the same place, or... I bet there's more than one ghost pig. Everything that's... I mean, the things that we've encountered in the Land of the Dead all seem to want to go to Malahim, if if we follow that theory. Have we suddenly ended up in the plot to Wizard of Oz? <laughs> well, Ben got fed up of ripping off uh, <laughs> King Kong, and before that, ripping off Lord of the Rings, so... I am a cowardly ghost pig! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking for my courage! <laughs> but it, it's interesting that um, the, a sacred boar seems to be hitchhiking off the back of Enigma to try and get to Malahim, whilst you, Tristan, have been tasked to get to Malahim by something that may well be be linked to that. So you think the boar is trying to get to Malahim? I just assumed it was some kind of personification of her royal father. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's was a good working theory until... Until this story just happened, frankly. Okay, but do we obviously can't... We, oh, there's no point asking Enigma to try and summon it. A, she's going to deny it even exists, and B, she's not going to probably be able to, but we could try. I don't think I've ever denied Daddy Ghostbed. <laughs> you can't deny Daddy Ghostbed. You can't. I mean, after all, you know, he's saved our bacon. That's pretty insulting to you. You deny your father, but not a pig <laughs> version of him. Uh. Hmm. So, Ben. Yes. Very quickly... Banbury's just gonna use true sight and have a look around. Okay. Maybe he's not Daddy Ghost Pig. Maybe he's just Ghost Pig. <laughs> yeah. Enigma, is there any chance you can? 
I don't know, try and summon it? I don't know how you would just shout, come to me, just daddy. Have a page. rummage round inside, see what you can pull out. Sweet! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so while we do this, Bambri has applied his true sight. Failed to cast true sight. <laughs> oh. And so you're going to mark experience. Mm. And he goes blind. <laughs> <laughs> I know what happens. You begin to enable your true sight and you start to see that familiar change to your perception. And then there's a noise. It almost feels internally like your head has hit like a metal tray. It's like, tang, kind of goes through your head and really right through your body. And then for a moment, you're seeing yourself. You're seeing yourselves in the wagon from a different point of view. And then you're back in your body and then you can't flip between those for a while. And then you feel the sight of yourselves in the wagon start to go misty and diffuse. And then you are back to normal, but your spell has been comprehensively interrupted. Bambi's going to stand up, put one finger in the air, look like he's going to say something. And then just as he opens his mouth... He's going to vomit everywhere. (laughs) And then he's going to have a little lie down. He's for the whitey guys. Do you want him to grab the kettle and just fill it up with vomit? (laughs) I think what happens is a little goes on the kettle, most of it goes into the brazier and just creates this wash of chundry vapour that fills the air. (laughs) Evacuate. We'll re- reconvene to the roof of this thing and leave Bambri in the hot, sweaty, puke sauna. That whole thing's going to have to be valeted now. I don't feel very well. To be clear, Bambri, when you were seeing yourself from outside, you had a sense of someone else. I think I just saw through Daddy Ghost Pig's eyes and I feel pretty ill. Wow. So he's here. He's back. Also, Tristan, you feel a little ill. Oh. I'm feeling a little ill, guys, actually. And I like to think that everyone starts to rush around me. It's like, oh, touch my forehead. They're like, oh, my God, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, just feeling a little bit faint. They're like, quick. And everyone leads me as I'm I'm hobbling out and everyone just leaves Banbury. Banbury's just in the corner throwing up again and again and again. <laughs> that spell was somewhat rusher. Have we properly investigated Tristan with True Sight? I mean, has he got a hitchhiker? I believe tucked he away. Didn't. Yes. Has he keistered a sacred animal uh, or something? He's got a magic glowing cock, hasn't he, or something? Well, thank you, Enigma. <laughs> How very nice of you. He had a slight <laughs> glow to his guitar, I believe, last time that Banbury yeah, true sighted okay. him. But was otherwise unremarkable, much as he is without true sight. Ooh, I no. went <laughs> <laughs> Right, again. What is this Tristan beef with the GM? So, Grandmother Chief looks around the room and says, Bambri, dear, perhaps you should be closer to the side of the wagon and maybe we could all sit out on the front for a little while, perhaps. She's so nice. Okay. (laughs) Bambri's just going to vom all over Grandmother. (laughs) We're so sorry. She's all right. She's dealt with the young before. She's a wise old nice lady. She has dealt with quite a lot of young children down the years. And what happens is it just splashes down her... Throat. Her immensely, (laughs) immensely expensive silk robes. Just 
absolutely layered with a big uh, yellow splash of Banbury Vaughn. Banbury's going to look incredibly sorry about it. There's just a moment where she looks at him, he looks at her, and it just slides off and leaves no trace at all and falls on the floor. Why? Wow. Uh, I need this outfit. <laughs> she says, ah. Oh. Screw Enigma. Before you give Enigma flying magical daggers to go with her magical boots, Daddy Ghost Pig and Royal Heresness or whatever it's called, I want good, <laughs> undirtable clothes. Um, it's pretty good because, I mean, you can never even see what you've sat in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, that, that's up there, best pun of the season so far, perhaps. I'll give you that one. I'll keep quiet for the rest of the episode. That one's quite good. That's not true! <laughs> she says, Master Wild, you see the value of our silks, I believe. Uh, yeah, how can I get me a pair of that? <laughs> I don't, I mean, okay, I do care what it looks like, but I'm going to point to my general clothes and be like, let's make this out of that, because they are amazing. Well, when we get to land, we'll see how things shake out. If we can resolve this situation that we find ourselves in, I think you'll be amply rewarded for your service. A, awesome, but B, I've been going on about getting some magical stuff and the thing I'm going to get is magical clothes that don't get dirty. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that's pretty cool. Although, You're getting unstainable shirts. That is actually very good. It's a bit like crag hoppers. Yeah, you, you would think that I wouldn't be happy with that, but I'm like, that's the most important magical item I could get my hands on. She beckons you to lean down. Oh, no. And okay. then she whispers in your ear, you can also change the colour and design at will. <gasps> what? My eyes are just... Yeah, my eyes are doing what Ali's face has just done, too. Holy shit, yeah. Okay, and, and it's fair to say that I know Enigma's going to want it, too, so I'm going to look across and be like, we need to get some of this shit. You could just have pockets wherever you wanted them, whenever you wanted them. Let's just put our rivalry aside. No one-upmanship here. We both want a suit of this. From now on, Enigma, my blood's packed to you as I will do whatever it takes to get us a pair of so these many, clothes. So many roughs. Goodness me, this is going to be amazing. We're going to just push Bambri out and... She gives you a on. slow nod. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, this, this season three is finally picking up. <laughs> Everything's coming up, Tristan. She does ask what happened, Bambri. I think I'll get travel sick. <laughs> she says, this is not the place for travel sickness. But also, you've been with us a week. Normally, people are ill for a couple of days. I got magic reverb. I don't know why. Maybe I sat too near Enigma. I'm totes magic. She's totes magic. <laughs> Does this often happen to you? No. Right, let's see. So on this wagon, it's kind of got like a deck bit and then the covered part at the back. So the covered part is now not a desirable place to be, thanks to Banbury's endeavours. So you're out in the front and the stars are bright in the sky above the plains. And the wagons are just slowly rattling along. They're all roped together at the moment, so so they can't drift apart. And it means that you don't need people to be monitoring and driving each one. They just go very slowly through the night, rolling where the wind takes them. So you're quite comfortable. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about tonight? Can I just, before I forget, ask Nana Chi in hushed tones whether or not the gem is still safe? I'm assuming she checked it after the attack. She says, I actually hadn't. And she dashes back mm. in and you hear a drawer opening and closing and opening again and then opening and closing and opening again. And she comes back out. She's like, <coughs> 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 ah, 
Oh, sorry. Sorry, Nana. It it seems to be fine. It still looks exactly as it was. But well thought, Master Wild. Someone is playing a game with us, and I do not know what their next move will be, but I feel the sooner we can get to the city, the sooner we can find a way to resolve this. Um, that awesome silk thread dagger trick. How does that work? (laughs) He says, oh, yes, of course, the silk command. You wouldn't have the silk and the dyes, so. There are disciplines that we learn that involve directing silk that has been dyed through our processes that allow us to use it for many things. So in addition to threads, you can also direct them. And she uncoils the little thread she has. She holds it up and it just starts to stick straight forward and then moves into different shapes in the air Mm. from her finger and then builds itself into this complex shape. And she says, that's my name. And then she gives it a little shake and it just hangs down as a thread again. That's cool. These threads, we have developed many arts that allow us to use them for small magics. Using them for dagger fighting is part of that. The silk learns where the daggers must be. We need to put that shit on an arrow as well. <laughs> the worms that produce that silk must be pretty special. And and nearby question mark <laughs> of course they reside in the dark wagons but it's not worms it's the spiders that create the silk they're pretty wiggly <laughs> I was concerned about their wiggliness <laughs> no they're hardly wiggly at all oh, trustworthy beasts <laughs> <laughs> straight and solid like pencils <laughs> <laughs> like living pencils with hydraulic legs Yes, it is the same as the way these robes will hold no mark. These are consequences of this dyer's art, and this is why the dyeing process is so precious to us. It conveys great power and ability. And your wagon is rolling along, the stars are above you, and Banbury maybe is feeling a little bit better? Uh, Banbury's still feeling pretty bad. Magnus is feeling pretty bad. And... Tristan just feels a mild nausea and you roll on into the darkness. So this is happening the day after the ogre attack and Tristan's able to find a quiet spot. Whereabouts is it, do you think? I'd like to think it's at the back of one of the wagons. Yeah. I also had a cool idea for the wagon. So I've seen there's children on the wagons. Yeah, there are, yeah. Um, And what would be really cool is if we could get in some kind of, like, the young kids have, like, when they're being brave, they'll be like, they'll dare each other to see how long they'll run on the ground for. Yeah, so Tristan's sat on the back of the wagon. Maybe he's watching some of the kids on, like, the next wagon over. They'll take it in turn. One will jump down and run along, and then the others will, like, reach down and pull them back up. Yeah, like an initiation. Yeah, so they're running along, and one's running along the ground, and the others will reach down and pull them up. And once they're back on the wagon, they've got a moment, and then they're the ogre, and they're chasing all the other kids around the wagon. Nice. And so there's the sound of children running on the neighbouring wagon, and there's the steady rumble of the wheels... And it's surprisingly quiet. We come from a culture where we imagine that travel is always to do with engines. But when the wind is your prime source of power, it's the sound of the wheels and the springs. It's none of that noise of being powered. There's just the slight sound of it pushing on the silk of the sails. But even then, the sails are quiet, like a canvas sail, 
is more loud. Silk sails are quite quiet. Mm. And so Tristan's there on the back of this wagon, and maybe it's afternoon, and he's facing west, so the sun's shining on him. I imagine it more sort of nighttime, so maybe the sun's fading and sort of it's yeah. starting to get that husky dark and sort of just sort of sitting back and trying to take in the desert and the kids playing the games and maybe yeah. they're and reenacting some of the scenes they saw us do in the fight and so around the rest of the village they're starting to light the lanterns that hang on the wagons mm. to mark the edges of them and so it's beginning to light up with this glow but there's still enough light in the sky that it's just that kind of mellow evening time and so what does Tristan do? Just this just sort of sits back plays a few chords and just kind of gets into that mindset of if he was going to write a song, but not quite. Right, yeah. It's that kind of, okay, because when he's, when he's writing, it's one of those, uh, it would strum around with riffs and just play around with uh, chords and little changes until something comes, then it's like the lyrics, boom, sort of just come. Yeah. I wonder where I'm getting the inspiration for that style of uh, <laughs> songwriting. So he's kind of doing that, but not, I'm thinking about, the when I felt that resonance in the string, yeah. So rather than thinking about lyrics, it's more thinking about the experience that's just been had, right? Yeah, maybe he's finding the rhythm of the wheels. There's a slight, yeah, one of them slightly off round, so there's a slight push, and that kind of gives him the speed, yeah. yeah that's a good, yep, ties into that. He starts to fit his music into the music of the sounds going on around. Yeah, like there's, it's not that there's a, a pattern in like the children's laughter and the screaming, but there's almost, you can, there's something about it. It's almost like a mist over that sound that is not controlling it, but, but almost influencing it. Like, or it's influencing it. It's hard to tell. There's like, yeah. a, almost like a fog that you, you either you are interacting with it or it's interacting with you and you can't quite tell. Yeah, and after a little bit of this playing, Tristan starts to realise that he's in time with the things around him and the music is in tune with the wind and is in tune with the light from the lanterns somehow. And he realises he can hear the light. And that he can hear how the light relates to the harmony. And then it's like, then it's like there's a sudden flip. I, that was louder, louder than intended, so I drowned out the words. I was trying to, I assumed you were going for like a, there's a big noise. I was like, oh, I'm trying yeah. to strum in time to the magic. And then I just drowned out what you said. Sorry, continue. It's like everything flips around. And suddenly Tristan can see the harmony in the same way he could hear the light. It's, it's like a kind of synesthesia. But now all your perception is perceiving... Not the things, but the music within them mm. and the harmony between them. And in a space around him, it's not reaching right to the horizon, but in a space around him, he can see the lines of notes. He can hear and feel the individual notes that are the plants and the ground. And he can feel the notes that are the beams of the wagons and the wheels 
and the rhythms that are their movement and the change that they represent in the world and the way those harmonies shift as everything moves near everything else. And Tristan starts to realise that whenever he's been using music to heal, what he's been doing is recreating the harmony of the different notes within the person that he was healing. So he could feel a dissonance in them. And now he starts to realise that his healing songs were always about restoring the harmony, about taking those broken pieces of music and making them back into a real song. Yeah, it's almost like a chord progression, basically. It's kind of... Yeah. You know, you'll go from A minor F, a great combo. But if you go A minor, I don't know, B flat, yeah, it might not sound as good. And it's that kind of... you. It feels like it's... It, yes, when things feel off. Yeah, the music sort of... It doesn't flow, it doesn't sound right, it doesn't sound good, basically. And within this harmony and this nature, there is something underlying it, like this deep bass rumble. This shadow somewhere beneath and within the ground. And he starts to realise that that is the curse. What he's perceiving is the curse of the earth. Okay. Can I try and tune in to the hawks and see if they have like a specific kind of tune? Yeah. So I can feel like the curse. So it's interesting. I'm going to sort of see if it's like a. See if magic has a particular sound or feel. Because I know they've all got something special about them. So I want to see. Yeah, yeah. And so your perception reaches around most of the village. And the notes of the hawks, because you've healed all of them, you know what they Mm. feel like, you know what their music is, and once you look for something like that, you have an idea of it. You don't always have a sense of exactly where they are. Oh yeah, but it was more like to see what they're... You definitely feel their presence, you feel their nearness. Mm. You notice that Enigma's note seems to be different maybe now you think about it over the time that you've traveled you've noticed a gradual change in her or not noticed it but there's been a Mm. gradual change and now it's clearer now you've found this moment of harmony there is something very strange perhaps even more strange than daddy pig ghost Really? Or Daddy Ghost Pig, I should say. Does it have any of those bassy undertones of... Not the curse, but that similar... Oh, let me just check before I ask that question, because it might be that the sort of a bassy note could denote something malicious. So I'm going to sense Bambury and see if he's... If I get, like, bassy notes from him, that will confirm my theory, and then I can search for bassy notes in Enigma. The harmony of Bambury, it's not bassy. It's not like this rumble this kind of whale song rumble within the earth it's more turbulent and confused Mm. like jazz yeah yeah very much like jazz only jazz has form and direction okay some doesn't you could argue (laughs) some is just nonsense noise it's like the kind of jazz that sounds like someone dropped a piano down the stairs Uh and you can feel the orderly form of percy's steady solidity yeah, Percy's more like a bom 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 bom
marching band. But within that, there are cold slivers of something else. Interesting, interesting. But the other thing you notice, almost interfering with that, is that rumble, that dangerous deep note of the curse, is within Tristan as well. What? But it's not in the others? No. Okay, so that's interesting. Is, um... Is that the first... I suppose it's hard to know if it's the first time I've experienced it. Do I get any sort of subconscious memories of where I may have experienced this or felt this in the past? Because is it like I've kind of opened a door and the memory's gone, we've remembered all this, or am I starting from scratch now going, now I actually hear it? No, this is something new. Mm. But what you notice is that as you notice it, you feel that wave of nausea you've experienced a few times really since the battle with the ogres and you feel that rise and you feel the note get stronger at the same time i don't remember if i knew i see what bambi was doing or if we just felt the oc repercussions i think he was just doing some kind of magic i wasn't aware i don't think you know what he was doing but i think you were feeling ill before that so was i the only one that landed on the floor no percy ran across the floor no Percy ran across the floor. You were the only one that was grappling an ogre as Banbury exploded it. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh dear. You were you're the only one where it was expressly stated you swallowed ogre contents. No, I dodged out the way room with my high decks. Hmm, okay, that's interesting. I'll have to keep an eye on that then. I mean, I'll worry about that after I've got two Malahire and back. I mean, you can now feel this shape in the harmony, like a thread that's got tangled and twisted somewhere within you. I might try and pluck at it. I mean, now's the only time. They might as well do it now. It's not going to be time later. And sort of... See if I can... Although, oh, it's risky because it might be magic I don't really know. But I want to try and see if I can find its note on the guitar. See if there's a note that kind of resonates with it. Yes, so you're kind of playing the melody and the harmony that fits into the environment. And you draw it more into yourself. And now you are practising your arcane art. So why don't you give me a charisma roll? Yeah. I would have preferred something a bit more successful. On a 7 to 9, it still works, but you draw unwanted attention and your magic reverberates to other targets, affecting them as well. Hmm. Maybe the hawks are going to be puking tonight and they won't realise it till they listen to this. (laughs) So, what Tristan feels, he finds the point where the harmony is broken and you know what the note is supposed to be. And you just, you take the melody you're playing and you shift from the wrong harmony to the right one and immediately the nausea passes. Okay. And you immediately feel clarity through your body in a way that you didn't feel before. Your art has become more nuanced, you realise. Yeah. This kind of introversion has changed this feeling and has healed you of the curse. Now, well, I kind of want to try something, but it's a bit outlandish. I kind of want to hop off the wagon yeah, and walk along, sort of step aside a bit and sort of... I mean, I'm going to... Yeah. The wagon's not going too fast They're not to going catch up quick. with. No. They um, slow down a little through the night because you can't see as far ahead, yeah. so... So I might sort of let the wagons not get far ahead, but kind of... A little bit ahead, so I can... Obviously, they're, they're fully alight, and you can see them for, like, miles around. Yeah. And then just sort of, before they get too far, just play a little bit, and sort of I see if I sense anything change in the little, the immediate vicinity of me. Yes. 
something does change. I get the curse back. <laughs> it's a lot clearer because there is less around you. So now this is the music of mm. the soil and the grass and the wind. Yeah. I want to bind some, like, the melody of the rocks and the grass into it as well as kind of almost a protective yeah. sort of spell as if it's like saying, drawing that strength into me when I experiment sort of sending it into soil, as it were. What you feel is you can find that harmony and you can even push back a little against the force of the curse directly below you. Mm. But... It's very strong. Yeah, it's like... It's very old, and it's very powerful. So it bounces back, like you're pushing against yeah. something... Like the surface of a balloon that kind of... Yeah, it's that kind whereas of Whereas if you had enough force, maybe you could pop it, but... If you had the right place, you might be able to reach it. <gasps> well, that's a pin, a pin drop. That's a... <laughs> Whatever it is, is it is it something's dropped? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'll, I'll jog and catch up with the uh, catch up with the wagon, kind of catching on with one hand onto the wagon with the kids, kind yeah. of skidding along and then hopping up, and hopefully they're like, oh, "What? Yeah, monster! <laughs> Where did he come from?" The one thing that was weird about it is that while you're out there, for a moment you felt some threads of a completely different harmony above you. Man, this is a lot to take in. A completely different harmony, just momentarily. But it was like someone was there, and then they were gone. into making it sound uh, at least tolerable. If you wouldn't mind, it would be great if you could leave a review. That way, I get fed and I don't have to eat old socks. Thank you. Finger in the air. Looks like he's going to say something. He's got no seat. (laughs) 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 Where did he go? You can can do that? Well thought, Master Wild. Someone is playing a game with us. And then she looks into the microphone. <laughs> so, so let's do a one, two, three, four. Okay, so I'll do one. one. Two. Two. <laughs> okay, let's do another one. You don't say it. <laughs> Think of I understand the concept of one, two, three, four. Why would you have to explain there's a one coming and then go, and here's the one? (laughs) (laughs) So I thought what happened. I then I said, let's do one, two, three, four. Then I said one and you said two at the same time. No, you went (laughs) Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> you were like, no, I can't even remember. You effectively were like, okay, 
<laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, feel I don't know. Like it's like you said happened. one twice because you said let's do a one, two, three, four, and I wouldn't have heard you say let's do a one. I'm like two. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be on record. Wow, anyway. that's going to be really interesting to listen back to. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, nice. Oh, that's the uh, that's the grill triggering the classic Ben pizza. Hang on. Benjamin's made some pizza, okay. but he's burnt it. That's gonna definitely again. keep happening. I live with Benjamin. He was always <laughs> burning food. All right. Well, let's let's forget about the food burning. So. <laughs> Fuck's the alarm's gone up again. <laughs> what could it be? Just turn the oven down on the pizzeria. Or just wave a cloth in front of the alarm and it won't go off and you'll take no harm. The time's a charm. Yeah, and, and then I uh, hit the... So I hit the test button instead of the silence button. <laughs> Didn't make things better. <laughs>